when he rolled back the scrolls, the scroll, gave it to the synagogue official or assistant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to teach them. Today, this passage of scripture is being fulfilled among you, even as you listen. My dear brothers in the priesthood, especially my brother in the episcopate and our father, Bishop Ukubu, I'm so happy he made it. Abrone Mariana Akube Bishop Ukubu now. Kama mobiar lit mobiar nogi. Guboye Mariana Akube kita. I'm so happy he's here. My dear friends, this is a happy and joyous day. A day of thanksgiving and contemplation. As Pope St. John Paul II said in the title of one of his books, on the 50th anniversary of his priestly ordination, the priesthood is a gift and a mystery. It is a gift from God, undeserved, given to the church and through the church to the whole world. And it is a mystery which we will never be able to understand fully. We have come today to give thanks to God for this gracious and wonderful gift of the priesthood. And to continue our meditation or contemplation on this mystery of the priesthood. Monsignor no, Noema used to tell us in class, don't worry, when you become a priest, it will all become clear. But after nearly 50 years in the priesthood, he himself has confessed that it is not becoming clearer. The priesthood remains a mystery. And the longer you live your life as a priest, the more mysterious it becomes. And the more you surrender yourself and immerse yourself in the depth of that mystery in an attempt to live it in a spirit of gratitude and as serenely as possible. We thank God for the gift of the priesthood and we thank him especially for the gift of his son, the eternal high priest. 
And we thank our Lord Jesus Christ for his obedience to the Father that made him priest for us and for willing to associate us in different degrees with his own priesthood. A day of gratitude to our priests. In the name of the church and in my own name as bishop, I thank the priests. I thank all the Catholic priests throughout the world and especially the Catholic priests of Onsoka Diocese for the total unreserving gift of yourselves. Even when you yourselves have not fully understood the implications of the yes you said on the day of your priestly ordination. I thank you for your perseverance. I thank you for your love, your self-sacrificing love for the church, for Christ, and for your brothers and sisters. I thank all the people of God because every high priest is taken from among the people of God and constituted high priest on behalf of his people. I thank in a special way the families from where our priests come. Very often the priest becomes a sign of contradiction in his own family. And families of priests often experience difficulties and temptations they don't understand. Most probably because Satan, the evil one, hopes that by creating problems in the family of priests, he would be able to distract the priests from their ministry. I thank the families of priests. And I thank the communities the priests serve for their love and support, even when it is not always that we understand the way and the manner in which the priest exercises his ministry. Worthy of special thanks are the religious men and women Sisters, monks, nuns, brothers. Many of these congregations we have founded for the sole purpose of praying for priests and assisting them in their ministry. Even when sometimes this assistance offered to priests may be understood as interference the religious don't give up and most religious congregations especially of women every day say special prayers for priests thank you sisters 
and thank you also for the number this morning. All eyes we are fixed on him in the synagogue. As Jesus rolled the scroll from the book of the prophet Isaiah, he sat down ready to teach. And everybody in the synagogue fixed his eyes on this son of the carpenter whom they believed they knew. From some, it was the eyes of expectancy, eager to listen, eager to hear his own interpretation of this passage from the prophet Isaiah. And scripture continues to tell us that they were amazed at his teaching. But also from some, they were critical eyes, watching him and listening to him attentively, not just to learn from him, but to find what to criticize in him. And scripture tells us that by the time he had finished his teaching, some were saying, from where did this young man get this knowledge? Is this not the son of the carpenter, whose brothers and sisters and mother also we know? Of course, they thought they knew him, but they didn't know him, because they didn't even know who his father was. And they would not accept him. And the Bible tells us, the gospel tells us, because of their unbelief, he would, couldn't even work miracles among them. All eyes were fixed on him. Some in order to learn, others in order to criticize, and finally some in order to condemn and attack. As in the time of Jesus, so it is also today. My dear brother priests, all eyes are on us. Eyes of expectancy, eyes of hope, loving eyes of fulfillment and joy, but also critical and inimical eyes eager to discover avenues and feelings, feelings through which they could not only attack you and your ministry, but the church as a whole. The priest in every institutionalized or formal religion plays a fundamental role in the society. About 2,000 years before Christ, the religious system of the Egyptians had become so organized that they had a body of priests who were custodians 
of the mysterious learnings and of the scientific discoveries of the Egyptians. The priests of the ancient Egyptian religious system were so important in the society that they were exempt from forced labor and from the army. They lived in the massive temples of the Egyptian gods and they underwent rigorous training in discipline. They shaved not just the hair on their head but their entire body three times a week. Always dressed in linen clothes which they washed every day and they washed their body with very cold water twice during the day and twice during the night. Why? Cultic purity, bodily purity was for them indispensable for the cleanliness required for one to perform priestly ministries. How did they live? As they were living in these temples and they were not working, they depended on the gracious and abundant offerings that the people offer to the gods in the temples. And from those offerings, many of them also became rich, almost as rich as the pharaohs. And many of them were the advisors of the kings. As a matter of fact, some of the names we hear in the history of Egyptian philosophy, like Tahotep, they were priests of the temples. But in addition to offering sacrifice and being, to being custodians of the knowledge, of the body of knowledge that the Egyptian scientists and scholars discovered, they were also responsible for the formation, the training of young people, of the youth. They enjoyed enormous respect. Of course, within such an environment of social prestige, corruption entered. And many of them saw the priesthood just as a means of becoming wealthy. But then, priesthood in ancient Egypt passed from father to son. Therefore, it was hereditary and became family business. Among the Jews, when the priesthood was instituted among the Jews by Moses following God's command, Aaron and his sons were consecrated priests. God asked Moses to anoint Aaron priest and in order to permit Aaron and his children 
to do their work well as priests because if you read the books of Moses you'll find out that the details of sacrifice and behavior even before the temple was built just for the tent and the ark of the covenant the details were enormous and it required total attention because of that it an entire tribe of Levites of the sons of Levi we are appointed to serve as oblates of the priests to help them do their function well how did they live they lived from the offering of the people in order not to worry about survival when the inheritance of Israel was shared according to families the family of Aaron and the Levites did not get any portion they were to live on the charity of the people yes it was true that the people were generous but there was no guarantee of this generosity that is why already later in uh, later in psalm 16 we hear the psalmist saying the lord is my own portion is my own inheritance although i have nothing i have no share from the inheritance of the children of israel the lord provides for me since i am serving him but even then they had still enough because the people were obliged by law to offer part of their income and harvest to the temple for the upkeep of the priests and for the help of the needy but again nobody that time chose to be a priest you became a priest because you were born into the family of priests it was hereditary with time that institution was corrupted and the prophet Micah and the prophet Malachi and the prophet Ezekiel they all had to reprimand the priests because they had focused attention on what they were benefiting from the offerings of the people and they were even neglecting their responsibility in using part of that offering to take care of the poor then Jesus came into the scene of course in the Gospels when we hear the word priest it refers to the high priests and the priests of the Old Testament and it was not always complimentary they were often presented as enemies of the mission of Christ and nobody among them realized that a new generation a new testament 
a new alliance of the priesthood, a new system of the priesthood was being inaugurated in Christ. All of us learned that in retrospect, so to speak. It was through the preaching and writing of the apostles and the New Testament authors, especially the author of the letter to the Hebrews, that the priesthood of Jesus was brought to the fore and he was presented to everybody as the model of every priesthood and as a matter of fact the completion of the priesthood from this time onwards the letter to the hebrew says there is no more any need for any other type of priesthood except the priesthood of christ that is always valid the one and eternal high priest jesus also commissioned and instituted his closest associates priests after him but how did jesus as priest live still through the offerings of the people but without any obligation from the time of jesus it was no longer obligatory that the people offer a certain portion of their earnings to support their priests but the people through their own internal appreciation of the message of love that jesus was preaching we are moved to support him women as well as men but that was not all something new was introduced by the priesthood of christ entirely new and it is not repeated in any religion archbishop fulton j sheen has drawn our attention to this fact very clearly in his work the priest is not his own he says in every other religion there is a difference between the priest and the victim that is offered for sacrifice <clears throat> every priest took some animal and offered that animal in sacrifice and even the communal sharing of sacrificial meal was the eating of the animal offered not the priest but in jesus the priest became the sacrifice sacrificial animal the priest, sacerdos, sacerdos, and the victim, victima, we are combined in one person. And the communion of, sacri of the sacrificial meal is the body and blood of the priest, Jesus himself. 
the novelty is that since after Christ or since Christ every priest like Christ unites himself to Christ and becomes priest and victim offered for sacrifice Christ gave himself take and eat take and drink and you will have life and Shin tells us every priest is bread that is broken for his brothers and sisters is lamb that is offered not for their salvation because the salvation comes only from Christ but to make present constantly present the salvation that is offered by Christ and he says my dear brother priests if we as priests or you as a priest you participate in the eating and drinking of the body and blood of Christ offered in sacrifice and you bring nothing of yours that you offer as a sacrifice along with the sacrifice of Christ then you have to be considered very strong words you have to be considered a parasite in the mystical body of Christ every priest is offered in sacrifice all eyes are on the priests especially in the Catholic Church there is something Andrew Greeley in his myth uh, Catholic myth calls the priests as sacrament for the faithful he has explained that no matter how much Catholic priests try to show the faithful that they are just ordinary normal human beings the faithful have refused to accept that they continue to see their priests as a sacrament of God's holy and sanctifying presence among them they continue to see their priests as the reality of the presence of a God that continues to be hidden from human eyes they continue to see in their priests a sacrament of the mercy and the love of God and he says it is useless that priests Catholic priests continue to tell the faithful I am just a man like you they don't want to accept it and they are right yes to some extent although we are normal human beings as Michel Kua tells us is prayers for life every priest people expect so much of their priests and they are right but they should remember that it is difficult to be a priest because every priest has given himself in all the ardor of youth and youthfulness but he remains a human being and because he remains a human being every day the man in him tries to take back what he has given an Indian Bishop yesterday or this morning because it became morning earlier in India than 
for us. While thanking his priests and priests throughout the world for their fidelity, at the point he said what I just said, that it is difficult to be a priest, he broke down in tears. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it is not easy to be a priest. And especially today in the world and in Nigeria. As I'm talking to you, priests have become direct targets of violence and attacks. Some priests are currently in captivity by kidnappers in Nigeria today. Some have been brutally and cruelly slaughtered. What was their crime? Being priests. And whether as a body or as individuals, Catholic bishops are now seen as enemies of government. And we are being heckled, harassed, intimidated in order to shut us up and stop feeding the people and bearing witness to the truth. And worse still, sometimes we are not even understood by our own people. Very often, priests are not even understood by their bishop. And sometimes too, the bishop is not understood by his priests. It is difficult to be a priest. But nobody takes this honor upon himself except he who is called as Aaron was. If the eyes of all the people are on us, it is because we represent Christ among them. And like Christ, we must pre be prepared to be victims. We must be prepared to offer our lives as holocausts. And no holocaust can be accepted or rejected without being consumed by fire. At the beginning of Mass this morning, as I was putting incense in the terrible, let me remind all Catholics, we don't use incense to drive away evil spirits. We don't use incense to drive away witches and wizards. If you know what drives away witches and wizards, apart from prayer and good conduct, then you must be a witch or a wizard. We use incense in the Catholic Church to represent the prayer of the people of God, especially the offering of Jesus to the Father as holocaust and as sweet-smelling sacrifice that the Father has accepted. Psalm 141 verse 2 and Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 8 remind us of this. So this morning, in preparation for Mass, I was putting incense in the terrible as a sign of the beginning of the sacrifice we offer on the altar. Something struck me. The Mass servers and seminarians, we are confused on which incense to use. 
the one from my house or the one from the sacrist? I was wondering why. Well, the one from my house looks more refined. But what struck me was to know which incense is better, it must be burned. It is only when the incense is burning that you perceive the fragrance of incense. Fathers, if you are not burning, your fragrance cannot be perceived. You don't perceive the full fragrance of incense packed in a bottle. You need to burn the incense. We need to be burned for Christ. For our people, for our nation. We have an enormous responsibility. Like the Egyptian priests of old and like the priests of the Old Testament we have the responsibility of taking care of proper worship and taking care of handing down the correct teaching of the Lord and instructing young people to worship and obey and serve God properly we have that responsibility but fundamentally as Jesus besides proper worship and proper doctrine as we shall celebrate this evening because the first practical implication of our priesthood will be celebrated in the institution of the Eucharist this evening like Jesus our Lord and Master we must be offered in sacrifice we have the responsibility of bearing witness through our life of sacrifice sometimes we are very lonely because we are not married even if we have friends no matter how close those friends may be as our people say your friends will go and especially for diocesan priests who even though they live together may not be living in community we are often lonely but our loneliness is a witness to our freedom our freedom to offer ourselves without restraint and constraint and without limitations because our loneliness is also a result of our celibacy and our celibacy is a witness to the life of the resurrection Whose will this woman be as wife since she was married to all seven? Since you believe in the resurrection, who will be her husband at the resurrection? And Jesus answered, The children of this world 
because they die, have to marry and be given into marriage also for procreation and companionship. But the children of the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given to marriage because like the angels, they don't die. Our loneliness is witness to a life of the resurrection where companion is not determined by physical presence but by communion with the Lord. Nobody knows whether we shall physically recognize our loved ones in the, res in the resurrected life. And I always think if the apostles could not recognize the risen Lord, it's possible it will not be through the body that we shall recognize our loved ones, but through the love that links up with one another in Christ. Our celibacy is witness to that love. And when we have temptations in that area, that is the time to remind ourselves that no human companion lasts. That is time to remind ourselves that we have offered even companionship on the human level, on the pattern and in the chalice that we offer every day on the altar. The same way our poverty, or let me call it with another name, our detachment from material things is a witness to our faith in a God that sustains us just like that woman, the widow, who offered everything she had to live on without knowing from where the next meal would come. Our evangelical poverty is a witness to total dependence on God. And I want to remind my brother priests that this today is the greatest challenge of the Catholic priesthood in Nigeria. Our nation is too materialistic, such that even Christianity has become materialized. And there is a tendency to materialize the Catholic priesthood. It is a temptation we must resist. Our traditional religion is very materialistic. And one of the evils of modern prosperity Pentecostal gospel in Nigeria is that it's transforming Christianity into glorified idol worship through pure materialism. We should and we try by our lives to show Nigerians, especially Christians, that our security in this world does not even come from what we possess, but from God alone. And if we possess anything, it is in order that we may be able to serve God and the people with the things we possess. Not that those things could eventually possess us. 
and today we renew our obedience to the church. Our obedience is a witness that to that unclinging obedience of Christ described in Philippians chapter 2. Who knew his right and dignity? Yet he let go for the sake of the salvation of his brothers and sisters. Our life of sacrifice should make our obedience an offering to Christ. Not something that we are complaining about as a burden. But as something we joyously offer to God in Christ as sacrament for our people. And as we do this, Christ himself will continue to sustain us. And we pray that in spite of our fragility and weakness, we continue to bear this witness. We continue to offer ourselves as sacrifice. We continue to be on the forefront all the time, aware that all eyes are on us, just as all eyes were on our Lord and Master. But those eyes, whether they are eyes of compliment, eyes of admiration, eyes eager to learn, eyes of criticism, or eyes of condemnation and attack, those eyes should not either flatter us or discourage us. Because we know who has called us and we know he is faithful. I thank you, my dear brother priests, for your fidelity. Please, please, if you are experiencing crisis, know that you will not be the first to experience it, nor the last. Our Lord himself wondered whether the Father had abandoned him. Even in your desolation, never you give up on yourself, because neither the church nor God will ever give up on you. And I thank all of you for your prayers and your support. We know you love priests, even when you don't approve of everything they do or say. But please, make efforts to continue to help them so that they may serve you better. Each time people come to me to complain about their priests, they ask me to remove. Some have told me, Bishop, I don't even invite the priests often because some of those things are common complaints against us. And sometimes I know the character involved. So I know no So what I answer them usually is Biko, posting is coming. Suggest to me where I will place that priest. Isn't in a parish? Can they parish me? 
Since you can't tell me where to send him, why advise him about when to remove him? I remember once I was in the bishop of uh, in the house of Bishop Okobo, and a delegation came to him to beg him, elders of the town, not just parish council, to beg him to return the parish priest he had transferred from their parish. As if no were father Bishop every time Tamasha. But the strongest argument that day for me was since I did not consult you in sending the priests to your parish. Why should you advise me about removing him? I'm not saying you should not point out to me if you think a priest is destroying himself and the Catholic community by his life. No. You have an obligation to draw my attention to that. But it is not your responsibility to ask the bishop to remove priests. Some have even learned now to match and say, we know Gogri, we know Gogri. Well, you know Gogri if God asks you now before he send them. Because very often we protest about priests sent to our parishes, but we don't protest on local government chairmen and councillors, governors and house members of the House Assembly, and even presidents imposed on us. We'll be standing on election day in the sun trying to elect whom we want and they have already chosen whom they want and they will impose the person on us and we will say we will be singing but when God sends somebody to us through the church we begin to protest it's madness but I know you love your priests and you support them please don't give up because our life, no matter how imperfect it is, has been given entirely for God and for you. As we thank God for the gift of the priesthood, thank our Lord Jesus Christ for allowing us to share in the priesthood. We thank our priests from the profundity of our hearts. We thank the religious for their supportive work and prayers. We thank the entire people of God for what they are doing and who they are for our priests. And we pray that our priests will always remember that our life is sacrifice. And may that sacrifice be a fragrant offering, just like the Lord himself, which has been accepted by God. Amen.